Hey everyone, welcome to the Just Michelle Talking podcast. And today we're going to be doing the same thing we do on other days, which is just talking about stuff, really. I'm actually looking forward to today's topic. It's a hard one for me to talk about, but I think that's probably why I'm doing this podcast, so I can talk about the stuff that's hard to talk about. So today I'm going to be talking about the topic of weight and weight loss and some of the lessons that I've learned in that. And before I start today's episode, I just wanted to say, firstly, thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. I actually had a chance to look at the statistics of the downloads of this podcast, and I was blown away by how many people are out there listening. So firstly, thank you. I really appreciate that. And secondly, if you'd like to help me out at all, it's always a good thing if you could let your friends know that you've been listening or pop a review onto either Google Podcasts or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast because reviews are really helpful. They help people notice it and they help people be aware. And while I can't say that I'm changing the world with this podcast, I think the more people that listen and the better that we grow this community, that's good for all of us, really. So thanks so much for listening. And yeah, recommend it to a friend if you've been enjoying it. And if you haven't been enjoying it, well, then you can unsubscribe or you can let me know and tell me how I can make it better. Thanks again for being a part of my community. So today I'm talking about weight and weight loss, as I mentioned, big, huge topic for me because I have been overweight my whole life, grossly overweight my whole life, I should say, not just like a little chubby, although I think when I was a kid, people used to describe me as as chubby or like pleasingly plump or traditionally built or whatever you want to call it. I actually remember when I was at college, I had my medical um, records transferred from California to Colorado where I went to college and I remember I had this like big file in my hand and I remember reading it and it actually had in massive letters at the top morbidly obese which is like the worst description you can have for a human being ever I think at least in terms of, of weight and body and I actually remember being really shocked by that because at that age I certainly while I knew it was big I never really thought it was that big of a deal like I, I guess I never thought it was as bad as morbidly obese which sounds just so awful like it just sounds like like you're gonna keel over and die tomorrow morbid what a word right what a word to describe somebody's body I'm gonna start today's episode by telling you kind of like three things I know for absolute certain and then maybe I'll tell you a little bit about my history with weight loss and my story and and share a really big lesson that I learned from that experience and actually can continue to learn because it's not something that you just learn once and then move on. So the first thing I want to share for people who are out there, regardless of what size you are, is that fat people know they're fat. So I'm going to use the expression fat because it doesn't bother me and I don't think it's offensive, but I recognize that some people might not like it, but hey, my podcast, my rules. You know, I think something that other people don't realize is that when someone is overweight, they, they know this about themselves. It's not like a secret. And no amount of you saying anything to them is going to change that situation. We don't really care that you're worried about us. We don't really care that you're worried about our health. We don't even care that you're worried about us. It's not like we don't know that we're overweight. And it's not like we don't know that that's probably not a healthy thing to be. A, we're not stupid. B, we look in the mirror all the time. And C, just like you've spent your life being aware of those societal messages which tell you that being overweight is bad for you, guess what we have too? And certainly when I was younger, less, less, more 
ah, sorry, less now that I'm an adult. But certainly when I was younger, my mom used to sit me down and be like, you know, Michelle and Kyle, we're so worried about you. It's not good to be to be overweight. It's really bad. We're worried about your health. We're so concerned about you. All that did was make me eat more because it made me feel crappy about myself and I'm an emotional eater. And so I went and I ate more to feel better about the fact that my parents were telling me they didn't like how I, how I looked and they didn't think that I was you know, well, and it, and, and I get that argument of health, but telling somebody that it's overweight, that you're worried about them, not a terribly helpful thing. They already know it. It's just that they are either comfortable with who they are or have not yet made that decision to do something or don't want to like, you know, there's lots of people just not interested. And so Fat people know they're fat. So really, you don't need to tell them. Like, you really don't. And I don't care what misguided, like, oh, I really care about you, sweetheart, you've got. Seriously, they already know. So you pointing it out, not helpful, often just makes things worse. It's also, by the way, along these same lines of, like, people who say things like, should you be eating that? Uh, fuck off. I should be eating whatever I want to eat. So seriously, just stop with that. You don't need to mention it. They already know it. I know I'm like ranting now. I can feel myself shouting louder because it annoys me to no end that people feel like if they tell their friend that they're worried about them, that somehow is going to be the magic thing, which makes their their friend do something about this. Seriously, not a thing, right? We know like just like people who smoke, like know that it's bad for them too. And people who smoke know that they should stop. And like, it's just seriously, don't say anything. They know. The second thing is that people who are overweight are not lazy. They are not clueless. And it's not that they don't care. Uh, It's not that they don't want to try. Like all these beliefs you have in your head about why people are overweight are seriously ridiculous. There are so many factors that go into a person's body shape and body size. There are environmental factors. There are genetic factors. There are financial socioeconomic factors. There's a gajillion factors why somebody is not at whatever weight you think they should be at, right? So it's not that fat people are lazy. I don't know where this came from, right? Being lazy is an inherent personality trait. What you eat is not a personality trait necessarily, although I do think it, for me anyway, it is related to emotions. I'm not clueless. It's not that I don't care. It's so easy to look at other people who are overweight either a little bit or a lot or morbidly and form opinions about how they must think or feel about it. But the truth is, until you've asked them, you just don't know. And there is just endless amount of factors that go into a person's body shape. For example, I know a lot of people who are on steroids for various medical um, conditions and those steroids can cause you to gain weight or get quite puffy in the face or whatever. Does this mean that that person's lazy? No, it's just a medical thing and they're needing to use, you know, steroids or whatever it is to make that happen. So please, please do not look at somebody overweight and assume that they are lazy or clueless or not trying hard enough because all of those are just rubbish. And finally, I think we need to accept that our version of beauty is different to someone else's. If we see someone and think, oh my God, that person is huge, they totally need to lose weight, that doesn't mean that they agree with you. It's entirely possible that they both love and embrace their body shape and their body size and their curves. And maybe they got up this morning and thought, damn, I look good today. 
we just don't know, right? The same is true for like super slender people. We might think that they look like they need to eat a few burgers, but in reality, maybe they think they look awesome today. Maybe they've been really sick for a long time and this is the best they've looked in a while. It's just not up to us to decide what's right or what looks good for or on someone else. I mean, I'll give you a couple of examples of this from my own life experience. I think there are plenty of people who would look at me now and think that I'm someone who needs to lose weight. When in reality, I look in the mirror and I think, man, you worked really hard to look like this. You're looking all right, Mish. You're looking all right. So do I need to lose weight? According to other people, yes. But in reality, I'm pretty happy with where I am. You know, I will say after the pandemic, I've gotten a little bit fluffier than I like, but nothing I'm terribly worried about. We are living through a terrible time. It's really okay if we're all a bit fluffy and and me in particular. So we really need to remember that somebody else's version of what looks good is not our version of what looks good or feeling good. And when you look at somebody and you think that person really needs to gain weight, lose weight, whatever, not your damn business. How they feel about themselves is really all that matters. And I remember actually this particular lesson coming home for me for the very, very brief time that I was dating after separating remember chatting to a guy on a a dating app and like the conversation was going, I don't know, pretty well, whatever. And one of the comments he made was, so I see that you're a curvy girl. I really like that. And in my head, I was like, what? I'm I'm what? I'm I'm a curvy what? It just never occurred to me to think of myself that way. Even though I have big boobs and there is plenty to me to love, you know, like childbearing hips and whatever else you, whatever other euphemisms you want to describe for the fact that, yeah, he was right. I am a curvy girl, but I just never think of myself that way. What he considered curvy and what I considered curvy were just not the same thing at all. So we really have to be mindful of that whole, you know, beauty is in the eye of the beholder thing. One of my closest friends and I have this running argument about this, which is probably never going to end because I think neither of us are right and probably neither of us are wrong either. So she believes that when men think of the word curvy, the image that comes to mind for them is Megan Gale. And for those of you who don't know, you can Google her, but Megan Gale is a stunningly beautiful Australian model who actually in her early career made a far better living in places like Italy and Europe generally and overseas because supposedly her curves, and I say curves in air quotes, were too big for the Australian audience at the time. Now, when I say curves, I think on a bad day, she's like a size four. She is a beautifully healthy looking, slender woman, but by no means what I would call curvy. But that's, again, my own vision of that. I don't look at her and think curvy. I look at her and think supermodel. But this girlfriend of mine thinks that when men think curvy, they think skinny chick (laughs) who has hips i don't it's really bizarre right now when my side of this argument is that when men hear the word curvy they don't think of megan gale the model they think of somebody like lizzo or beth ditto or somebody like that i don't think that the word curvy means like skinny with boobs to me curvy means pretty pretty large in my in my mind and in my estimation so like when the guy on the dating app was like so i see you're a curvy girl i was like 
what? Like in retrospect, he was probably right, but that it just, it's not the definition that I have in my head. And I think the truth of the matter is if we asked a hundred men or a hundred women, because does it really matter what men individually think? Not necessarily. This can be a female thing too. If we ask a hundred people what they think of when they hear the word curvy or curvy woman, they probably will name a hundred very different looking people. I remember reading an article about my girlfriend who doesn't know she's my girlfriend, Nigella Lawson, and somebody describing her as curvy. And I was like, what? What? No, she's just stunningly beautiful and gorgeous and needs to be my girlfriend. It like, didn't even occur to me to think of her as described that way. So we would all do better when it comes to discussions of weight to remember that definitions vary not only from person to person, but culture to culture, right? And, and our, verdi- our version of beauty is different depending on who we are, what our own experience is, how we feel about our own bodies, all this kind of stuff, right? And so I think let's just try to remember those three things when we're talking about this topic. And it, it's a really emotive topic and a, and a really hard one too. So for the rest of today's episode, I thought I would tell you a little bit about my history with weight loss and what that experience has been like and what I've learned along the way, which was a different lesson to what I, I thought I would learn originally. So as I mentioned early on, I've been overweight, grossly overweight my whole life. Um, I, I can't ever remember a time when I wasn't. I'm pretty sure I was like a chubby toddler and then like a kind of slightly chubbier little kid and then, you know, kind of a pudgy preteen and then eventually a, a pretty large teenager and an even larger adult. And I would have told you at the time that I didn't really care, but that's not true. I cared enormously. But what I cared about was not what you might think. I didn't care what people thought of me. I didn't feel uncomfortable in my own skin. It wasn't that kind of stuff. But in retrospect, being larger informed a lot of things. My personality, for one, I think I always tried to be fairly outgoing and fairly jokey and far more extroverted than I really am at the very heart of it because I didn't have to worry about being appealing to other people on my weight. I could be appealing or my, my body shape. I could be appealing based on my personality. I never thought that I would get married or have children. I thought I would be single my whole life. And I thought that because somewhere in my subconscious, I thought that fat chicks don't get boyfriends. So outwardly, I never really worried about it or cared about it. But I think on the inside, secretly, I really did. Or I made life choices that perhaps reflected how I felt about myself. I would never say to you that as a, as a teenager or young adult, I had low self-esteem. I don't think I did. I didn't feel bad about myself. I didn't think I was ugly. I didn't think I should lose weight. I was pretty happy with who I was. But I think that certainly being the size that I was helped in a negative way make decisions about my life that, that perhaps would have been very different had I been a healthier weight choice. So over the course of my young life and leading up until sort of middle age, early middle ages, 30 something, I, my parents sent me to fat camp twice, which was an interesting life experience. In fact, I don't have bad memories of that. I have really good memories of that. And I learned a lot about really good behavior modification and stuff. So fat camp was not a bad experience for me. Once in Vermont, quite possibly one of the most beautiful places on earth. And once in Santa Barbara, also one of my favorite places on earth. And they would pay for me to do all kinds of things, Jenny Craig and Weight Watchers and God knows what. So 
I spent a lot of time bouncing in and out of those kind of weight loss things. As an adult who could make her own decisions, I lost 100 pounds twice, uh, both times via Weight Watchers, which by the way, I still maintain, I think is one of the best programs out there. But none of it stuck. And I think none of it stuck because I had not actually made the decision to lose weight for reasons I cared about. Remember, it didn't really, I didn't feel awful about myself. And so I was never doing that I was never doing those things to solve those problems. I was doing them, I think, in part to please other people's decisions that they thought I wasn't healthy or well. And so in the end, I uh, ended up losing the weight and being the weight I'm at now through entirely different means, but also for entirely different reasons. So yeah, I spent most of my life, you know, bouncing up and bouncing down. And remarkably, I met my now ex-husband at probably one of the biggest weights of my life. So my, my whole thing about fat chicks don't get boyfriends was rubbish because I met him when I was really very big. And we certainly had a very productive and great relationship for a very, very long time. And so it's funny to me that there I was thinking I would never get married and never have kids because fat chicks don't get boyfriends. And there I was the biggest I'd ever been. And I, and I met him and we certainly had a great relationship. So if we kind of fast forward a bit, to more present day, about 11 years ago now, I decided to change the course of my life dramatically. And the reasons for that are many, and I I don't want to necessarily discuss it today, but a series of events led me to want to change the course of my life. And so over a period of about two years, and maybe a little bit more, but about two years, I lost 70 kilos, which is about 155 pounds, something like that. Or to put this, it's probably one whole Megan Gale. (laughs) (laughs) probably, or like, you know, like a supermodel holding a very full handbag, you know, so yeah, it's about 155 pounds thereabout. And I've now kept that weight off for the last nine years, plus or minus five or 10 pounds as the seasons change. Like most people, I tend to lose a bit of weight in the summer and gain it a bit in the winter as we're eating heavier things or whatever. And I, I would love to tell you that all these years later, I am a paragon of food and fitness virtue, but I'm not, not even close. I can tell you hand on heart that I'm totally addicted to sugar. Sugar is like a food group for me. Um, I do walk or exercise most days of the week. You know, I, I aim for every day, but I certainly don't love it every day. And sometimes I find an excuse not to go. And sometimes it's not so much a walk as a trudge. And other days, it is like a fast clip walk. Look at me. I am this hot walking chick, right? And other days, it's like, and I turn around early and I go home early, right? You know, I think breakfast cereal is a perfectly acceptable meal any time of day. And better if it's like not healthy because healthy cereal, what is the point of that? Healthy cereal, you're just chewing it. And that's not exciting. Healthy cereal is crap. Anyway, so this is the thing, you know, all these years later, I've managed to basically keep most of it off, which is something I'm hugely proud of, by the way. Now, for the purposes of today's episode, I'm not going to go into detail about how I lost that weight because it's not really relevant to what we're talking about today. But suffice it to say, I had to make some pretty dramatic decisions and I I still stick by those decisions today. Uh, And no, I'm not paleo and whatever. How can you be that if you like sugar and carbs? which is like, yeah, not a thing. So here is the interesting thing that I learned about losing weight. Like losing it is actually the really easy part because you get all enthusiastic and excited about like your shiny new gym card and your like bright pink sparkly running shoes. 
or you get to program up your Fitbit and like, you know, compare yourself to 10,000 other people in the world or whatever. Or you got the cutest pair of leggings ever that actually have a hole for your phone or what a pocket for your phone or whatever. And you've now told like everybody you know that you're being good, right? Like you go out to dinner with friends and they're like, hey, who wants this? And you're like, oh no, I'm being good. Because like, since when does eating have to be something that's good or bad? And this is a whole other thing. So you've got this goal weight in mind, you know, you set up some like mini goals with mini prizes along the way and you're motivated and you're excited and you are going to capital letters do this thing, right? Like you are just the weight loss badass now. And if you're sticking to it, like you're losing weight, you're getting fit, people are telling you you're losing, you're looking great, like you're feeling basically like on top of the world and things are looking pretty damn fabulous physically speaking, right? Like you are feeling pretty good and, and emotionally probably too, because you're kind of got that high of like, woo, my pants are looser or whatever, right? And then we like fast forward three months and the weather has turned a bit colder or maybe it started to rain. So on some mornings, instead of going for that walk, you end up staying in bed and you, you know, miss your gym class or your Zumba or your walk or whatever it is. And, you know, that fancy water bottle that you bought broke when you dropped it and you just haven't had the chance to replace it, you know? Or it's like, you know, it was Valentine's Day, so you went out to dinner, or it was Christmas, so you basically ate for yourself into a food coma, or like it was your birthday, or Mother's Day, or whatever. And you allowed yourself to indulge on that holiday event or in that event and you just kind of like kept going on the indulgence front and like maybe you hit or maybe you've been doing great this whole time but you hit that dreaded plateau or the scale stopped moving or it started moving in the wrong direction and then let's fast forward another like three months now you managed to stop yourself before things got too terrible you managed to stop the food train before it, it went racing to the bottom of the hill and crashed and let's say that you got back on track and you replaced the, the sexy water bottle and you found a way to exercise on cold days because you invested, you know, 50 bucks in Zumba DVDs or something. And the scale is moving back in the direction that you want it to move in. And before you know it, like all this time has passed and let's say you've done it, you hit your goal weight. Like, woo, yay you, you are amazing. And so like all other people, you go out to dinner to celebrate this achievement, <laughs> which like, Oh, the irony of this. The number of times I have celebrated weight or fitness goals with eating food is hilarious to me, but that's because I'm sure some psychotherapist could tell me that like <laughs> I have associated food with achievement my whole life or something. So like, let's fast forward another three months beyond the celebration dinner and you've ticked off the mini goals, you got the prize, you got the gold star for reaching the goal weight but the cute pink runners are a bit grotty now and the gym card is starting to peel at the corners a little bit you can't really remember the last time you logged into that fitness app that you used to like religiously check into every day ah, let's move forward another couple of months and now all of a sudden you're heavier than when you were when you started a year ago wait what what does that scale say what the hell happened here? Six months ago, I was eating this super delicious dinner in celebration of the fact that I'd eaten only lettuce for the six months previous. What happened? 
So what happened to all that excitement and all that motivation and all that enthusiasm and all that drive? What happened is that you forgot that your life continues for a long time after you have reached the goal weight. It's about what you do after you get to the goal that is actually much more important. After you get the gold star and the meal out, you still have to exercise, you still have to eat right, and you still have to be involved with your body every single day. And that is the part that I didn't understand and have until recent history ever understood. All weight loss, weight loss apps, weight loss programs, weight loss whatever is focused entirely on getting you to your goal weight. And none of them talk about what happens after the goal weight. It is the maintenance, which is millions of times harder than the actual weight loss part. Maintaining it, being consistent is so much harder because there is no excitement. There is no motivation. There is no gold stars. There is no prizes at five kilos and 10 kilos at 15 kilos. There's nobody cheering you on. Being good gets boring. And also what does that even mean being good when it comes to food? But don't get me started there again. Now, of course, once you reach maintenance stage, you're not actively looking to lose more weight. So yeah, you can be a bit more relaxed and drop the intensity down a little bit or have a couple of treats now and again. But there is no way that you can permanently get off that treadmill and let it grow dust and become a clothes hanger and expect to maintain your new figure or your new goal. It's just not a thing. You know, the people who we think of as being very slender, supermodels, etc., work at it or, or just smoke cigarettes. <laughs> That's not fair. Sorry. Um, you know, for me, this was by far the hardest lesson to learn. I thought that the difficulty was in the losing. No, the difficulty is in the maintaining. And then I guess why that also is really hard one to swallow is because in my head, as soon as I lost that weight, all kinds of magical things were going to happen. Now, this thinking that if then, if this, then that thinking is very, very usual for us. You know, we think as soon as, if only I had more money, this would happen. If only I had a better job, this would happen. If only I met somebody, this would happen. We have a lot of bargains in our head that follow that if this, then that pattern. And weight loss is absolutely one of them that I was like, once I lose all this weight, I'm going to be fitter. I'm going to be more confident. I'm going to find boyfriends. I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to like leap tall buildings in a single bound, something. But it is what happens after you have reached the goal, which is much, much more important than the actual goal itself. And it's much, much harder, which I swear I wish I knew at the beginning because... Uh, it's just one of those things that that's, that's not what all these programs are teaching you. They're teaching you how to get there. They're not teaching you how to live there. And that is a really, really big difference. Now, I wanted to also point out that when I talk about what happens after you reach the goal, I'm not only talking about continuing to eat well and exercise, because for me, losing weight is as much a mental effort as it is a physical one. It took me many many years to accept that I was no longer the size I was. 
And, and to be honest, this actually still trips me up to this day. Nine years of maintaining this weight loss, 11 years of doing it in total, and the fat chick is still living in my head. I don't see her as much these days, but I certainly see her. So as an example, uh, to this day, I struggle to go into, you know, air quote, normal clothing stores to try on clothes because I just assume I don't fit into them. And so this has morphed into basically a complete avoidance of shopping altogether. I hate clothes shopping. I always have for that reason. And to this day, I don't even know what stores I would fit into. I, honestly, I don't know. Like in my head, the two or three stores that I knew I would fit into back then are the only ones that still exist for me. And the truth of the matter is I could probably shop at most stores these days, but I wouldn't feel comfortable going into them because I don't know. I'm not certain I would fit into them and I don't want to deal with that embarrassment. So my options for shopping are very, very small, right? Another example is I strongly dislike sitting in a booth in a restaurant because I simply assume I won't fit in. I won't fit into that booth or I assume that I'm going to be really uncomfortable. Now, that's actually not just a weight thing. Given my height and the size of my chest, I find it really hard to sit in the booth because I feel like your boobs are like resting on the table, which is just uncomfortable and awkward and weird. But it definitely comes from that place of, it's really hard to fit into a booth when you're a larger person. It's uncomfortable. It's embarrassing. You're like eating with your plate all up in your neck. Like it's just not fun. And so I will generally speaking, never sit in a booth now if I can avoid it. I also hate chairs with arms for the same reason. So I remember my sister had a dining table and the seat at the head of the table, not the ones on the side, had arms. And I sat in one and I broke the arm off when I was probably a middle teenager, kind of 18 to 20 sort of age. And it was humiliating and awful and arms on chairs are really uncomfortable. So I will strongly avoid a chair with an arm even to this day. And I'm often really fearful of doing physical activities or physical things which require equipment of some sort. Like, I don't know, I, I wouldn't, I really want to be somebody who goes, for example, jet skiing, but like, I wouldn't do that because I assume that the place that's going to rent me the jet ski isn't going to have a life vest in my size or bungee jumping or whatever it is. That That's true for my feet as well, right? So all those things still live, those, those fears and those concerns still live in my head, even though these days I'm far closer to a socially acceptable size than I was before. The Michelle of 150 pounds ago is still very much alive and well in my head. And I can honestly say that losing that weight, that emotional weight of being a bigger person is a hell of a lot harder than losing it physically ever was especially because you can't necessarily see the emotional progress taking place in the mirror. You know, if I look in the mirror, I can see if my jeans are a little bit looser or if my face is looking a little bit more slender. But looking in the mirror, I can't tell if I'm any less of a mental wreck than I was a week or a year or a few months back. The mental effort required in losing and maintaining weight loss is enormous. And so, like, what's the lesson that I learned here, right? The lesson is a pretty simple one. And it, I think it applies to a lot of places 
other than weight loss. No goal in life, you know, be that a, a physical one, be that a, a emotional one, be that a sporting one, or something like even changing careers, happens without doing the mental work too. I think we spend far too much time and energy on details like the number on the scale and the scale moving up and down or not moving, <laughs> as the case may be, when what we should really be doing is a continual check-in with our mental health as we go along and understanding that this change that we're making is not a change that is miraculously going to occur the day that that scale hits whatever number. This is a change that you're choosing to make for life. And as such, it's going to take time for your head to catch up with your body. It's going to take time to figure out the place where your new normal is. You know, maybe during the period of weight loss, you were running 20 kilometers a day or something. But in the period of maintenance, your new normal is that you run every day, but you only run for five it really takes a lot of time and effort to work out what maintaining this life looks like. And we've got to check in with our mental health. You know, when you check in with that scale, also check in with your mind. How am I feeling about this? Is my reason for doing this, you know, still valid? Am I okay? It's really, really important to remember that body and mind go together all the time. And you know, you didn't make the decision to lose weight or get fit or change jobs or whatever from an intellectual place only. You made it also from an emotional place. So you need to honor those emotions as you go through the process of change. And I think that you'll find that success almost always lies beyond the goal number or beyond whatever the intellectual feat you were trying to achieve was. I wish I understood this at the beginning. I wish I understood that losing weight was really easy, but keeping it off was much, much harder. And that, I think, is where most people really fail at this process. They don't fail at losing the weight. They fail at making that part of their daily lives. They fail at understanding that this is not something that you can just do for six months, you know, enjoy that 30-day challenge or whatever it is, and then at the end of it, like, you're done. Cool. Finish. Fini. It just doesn't work like that. So if you are out there listening to this and you are some, someone who is struggling with a life choice, be that weight, be that job, be that whatever, I just want you to make sure that as much as you're looking after your physical health, you're remembering to look after your mental health and you're understanding that real lasting change happens when we acknowledge that it's not just about reaching the goal, it's about what happens to your life after you reach the goal and figuring out what your new normal is, what you will and will not do, what you will and will not tolerate, the people you will and will not hang out with, and so on and so forth. When we talk about, or when I talk about living a lifetime of awesome, yes, it's filled with a lot of short-term goals and things I want to achieve and stuff I want to do. But in the long term, I know it's about making my new normal, about the life that I want to lead in the long term not just endlessly exercising for a thousand hours a day and hoping that that is where I'm going to find the solution to my problems or the answers to the questions that I seek. And on that note, may we be happy, may we be healthy, may we be well, may we be at peace, may we be whatever weight we bloody well want to be because honestly, at the end of the day, it's all about how you feel about you and that's really all that matters. Have a good one, everyone.